Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. All right, so... We've been going through a sermon series called Pray Like Jesus, where we've been taking the Lord's Prayer line by line and, and, and going through that and, and getting stuff out of it, what we can learn from it, what it has to teach us about prayer, how to pray. And today we are commemorating all saints. So you might think of, well, what are these go- the gospel reading and the epistle reading and the Old Testament reading about those who have died in Christ, about Jesus raising from someone from the dead, have to do with the next part of the Lord's Prayer? And I'm glad you asked that question because we'll get to that in a sec. So last week we dealt with the part of the Lord's Prayer that says, give us this day our daily bread. And so we talked about how God loves us and will provide for what we need. We talked about how God will provide for us as we work for the spreading of his kingdom. It's all tied in with the previous part of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we talked about how daily bread is not just for our physical nourishment, but our spiritual nourishment that we find in the Eucharist, which we'll be actually partaking of this morning. And then we also talked a little bit about the prosperity gospel and how that's a distortion of of God's promise to provide for us. So today we turn to the next part of the Lord's Prayer that says, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And in the Gospel according to St. Luke, he uses the term, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So the reformer Martin Luther wrote in the, uh, one time, he, he said this, the, Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, in saying, Repent, intended that the whole life of his believers on earth should be a constant repentance. Now, the reason why I quote Luther here, and I begin here with Luther, is not because the Reformation just had its 501st birthday. Happy 501st birthday, Reformation. But I think that Luther's first of his 95 theses has something to say about when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Like I said, St. Luke uses trespasses, but the Gospel of Matthew using debts and Luke using trespasses, I think they're synonymous. I I think that they're the same thing. And in all of my reading and studying, I kept coming back to the fact that debt used in this context is descriptive of sin, which is what trespasses are. But before we look at an example of what this prayer is speaking of, I want to talk a little bit about debt in a particular sense. And I, want to, I don't want to push the metaphor too far in our discussion, but I want to reflect on debt as sin, kind of using a financial example, if you'll indulge me. When someone goes into debt, there are different reasons, right? You want to buy a home. You want to buy a car. I don't know about you, but most of us, can't just outright say, hey, I see that house for X amount of money. <laughs> I'll pull out my wallet. Here you go. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't, I don't know. There, have, there are some people that are able to do that, but most of us have to say, okay, I like that house. I have X amount of money to put down. I'm going to go to the bank or the financing agency and get a loan, and I can go and buy, and buy that house. Or we'll say, okay, I need a car, so we'll do kind of a similar thing, just on a smaller scale. I have X amount of money to put down. Here's the car. Here's what I can pay. Here's what interest is going to be. And then we go into debt 
for a car or a home. Uh, And it can also even be for education. I need to be trained in a particular field, so I need to go into some type of debt to be able to pay for the training because most students can't pay for education out of pocket. This is kind of seen as good debt. Sometimes, though, people get turned upside down and fall into debt that they can't repay. It could be because of credit cards or mortgages or or a loss of a job due to physical injury, something like that. The point is debt can also be bad. Debt can also be bad. So let me ask you a question. What is a feeling that comes with having debt like that, a debt that might not ever be able to repay this feeling of not knowing what to do, and it feels like that there's a weight on you. There may not be any weights on you physically, right? Isn't that the weirdest thing when we, we, not get depressed, but when we feel like things are just piling on top of us, and it's almost like you can physically feel a weight on top of you, dragging you down, even though if you go like this, right? There's nothing actually on you. That's weird. Am I the only one? Okay, I just wanted to make sure. There aren't any weights on you physically, but the knowledge of that debt can feel like you've got a few hundred, like a few hundred pound barbell on your shoulders. And this can drive us sometimes, brothers and sisters, to despair and depression. So keeping that weight in mind and what we've been talking about already, forgive us our debts, I think the Gospel of Matthew has something helpful to say or, or a picture of what Jesus is talking about here. In Matthew 18, 23 to, to 35, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. He began to settle. One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, reported to their master all that had happened. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servants, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you should not have, shouldn't you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So, for our purposes this morning, let's look at the two servants and at the king. The first servant owed a ton of money to the king. A ton of money, 10,000 talents. That's a lot of money back then. A lot of money. He could not pay it back. And the king did what kings did back in those days. If you amassed a large amount of debt and you could not pay, you would then go into servitude to repay that debt. So what happens is the servant falls down and he begs, right? Notice he doesn't say, (laughs) take the debt away. He falls down and he begs. He says, please give me a chance and I'll pay it back. Give me a chance. I'll pay it back. He doesn't ask, say, he doesn't say, please forgive me of the debt. He says, just give me a chance. I'll pay you back. I promise. The king says, okay. But the king goes one step further. He doesn't just say, I'll give you two years 
at a lower interest rate, or maybe I won't charge you interest at all, and then you can pay me back in two years. No, he forgives the debt. That 10,000 talents, we'll call it 10,000 bucks for our purposes. That 10,000 bucks, he's like, you know what? I got enough, it's fine. You don't owe me anything. Have a nice day, right? And so that servant goes out and finds somebody who owes him 100 bucks, and he's like, pay me now. And the same thing happens, right? It's the same picture. But he doesn't forgive the guy of the 100 bucks that's owed him. So he has a guy thrown in jail so the guy can work it off and give him the 100 bucks. And the king hears about this and is rightly angry. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a funny picture here, this reversal of fortune here. The king finds out about it and reverses his reversal and puts the first servant in prison. So... Let's look back now at the petition for our debts to be forgiven in the Lord's Prayer. When we ask for God to forgive our debts, we are asking Him to forgive us of our sins. Our sins are kind of like a swipe on a credit card, right? They build and build and build and build, and if not dealt with, interest compounds, and the bill shoots up even higher. And that weight I talked about earlier, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier until we can't bear it anymore. Sin builds in us, and it can get to a place where sin destroys us, where our conscience becomes so seared that we refuse the voice of God and His indwelling Spirit. And so like the parable, when we ask for forgiveness, for our debts to be forgiven, we are asking for God to have mercy on us. And like this parable shows us, He does. The weight is removed and we can breathe easy once again. Sin steals our breath away and grace grants it back to us. Sin sin steals our breath away and grace grants it back to us. When we come here to church and we pray this line every Sunday, when we hopefully in our personal prayer life acknowledge our faults and our sins, we are hopefully every single day showing that we are reliant upon God for his ongoing gift of forgiveness. And when we pray this, it helps us to do what I quoted from Luther at the beginning of the service, constant repentance. Now, it's not enough for us just to leave it here. The second part of the sentence says, as we forgive our debtors, or as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. So our own ongoing forgiveness is tied in with the forgiveness of those who have sinned against us. So think back to the parable. The servant showed unforgiveness to the other man after the king forgave him and shown him mercy. And that unforgiveness he showed came back upon him and it destroyed him. So think about all of this now through the lens of Jesus Christ. What happens to our Lord? He is crucified. He bears the sin of all humanity. The ultimate expression of God's love and forgiveness and that he opens the way of repentance and forgiveness to all. What does Jesus even say to the people as they're nailing him to the cross? What does he say? This isn't a trick question. He says what? Forgive them. As they're nailing him to the cross, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. If God incarnate can endure such excruciating torture for us, then we should be able to forgive those who have sinned against us. This is important, right? Because that weight of sin is something that can also be placed there due to fractured relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So when we pray this, 
We are asking for forgiveness ourselves and asking God for the grace to help us extend forgiveness to those in our lives that have sinned against us. Now, I understand, I'm not saying that there isn't that there aren't any consequences to people who have sinned against you. Some people have suffered terrible and awful abuse. That doesn't mean then, okay, oh, I forgive you. You're welcome back into my life after all of these terrible things you've done to me. No, there are consequences to sin. There are consequences to our action. I'm not talking about forgiving, forgiving and forgetting, right? Because we can't forget because it helps us to not be, <laughs> to put ourselves in a place where we can be hurt. Does that make sense? So keep that in mind as we talk a little bit about, about forgiveness today, but we are called to extend forgiveness because as we extend forgiveness to those who have sinned against us, it helps us to be free of that weight. Be free of that weight. It helps us to take that weight off and leave it at the foot of the cross, to leave it at the feet of Jesus so that weight does not weigh us down. St. John Chrysostom says, Now he who brings sin to remembrance and bids us ask forgiveness and teaches how we maintain, uh, may obtain remission and makes the way easy is perfectly clear that he introduces rule of supplication as knowing and signifying that it is possible, even after the font of baptism, to wash ourselves from our offenses by reminding us of our sins, persuading us to be modest, by the command to forgive others, setting us free from all revengeful passion, while by promising in return for this to pardon us also. He holds out good hopes and instructs us to have high views concerning the unspeakable mercy of God towards us. Towards us. Now, you might be thinking, what does this have to do with those who have departed, right? With those who have, have, have died in Christ, right? Because that's what we're here. We're remembering our loved ones who have died who have died in faith. And the beautiful thing is about those who have died in faith in regards to asking God to forgive us our debts or our trespasses or our sins is that those who have died in Christ, they have, I think, I think they have a deeper, not even an understanding, right, but a deeper experience because we know that they are still alive. And they are kind of actually alive in more ways than we are because they are actually in the presence of our Lord. They are actually alive with him. And they're experiencing right now something that we only get a, a, a glimpse of right now. They're experiencing it in its, its, its fullness, right? That forgiveness that Christ has offered. I remember my, 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 my grandparents, both of them actually died within a few weeks of each other very, very recently. And my grandpa was kind of one of those guys who was like, well, he, he believed in the Lord and he had faith, but he also was one of those guys, well, maybe, maybe God won't, <laughs> he won't be there for me, right? Maybe he won't remember me, maybe he won't forgive me, but God does. And God will, and as a pastor, that part of, that's part of my job is sometimes sitting with people who are dying, who have said, I've done horrible things. Can God ever forgive me for what I've done? And the answer to that question, brothers and sisters, is yes. God can and God does forgive. And that forgiveness that God models through Jesus Christ is what he calls us to model as we experience the freedom from the weight of sin that weighs us down. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-giving spirit. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. We have deep roots here in our community, and we predate the founding of the United States itself. If you're looking for a traditionally grounded, biblically faithful church, come visit us. We just might be the church you're looking for. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com. Please be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, and check us out on Facebook at Zionstone UCC. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.